It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. I'm Sandy Rios with you. Coming to you again from Washington, D.C., the top of... Fox News Channel, the rooftop with a very bright sun, but it's fun, and I have a special guest that I just nabbed. Uh, You've seen him on television, I remember, when he was trying to be confirmed. (laughs) His name is Chad Wolf, and he served as the acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security under Donald Trump. Chad, thanks for joining us. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, did you have a military background? Uh, unfortunately, I did not. Okay. Uh, but I've been in public service uh, for a number of years now. Um, so, where, where, what were you doing when President Trump tapped you to be the acting director of the Department of? So Homeland I Security? was in the I was in the private sector, uh, enjoying my life in the private sector. I'd served <laughs> under uh, President Bush uh, okay. at the Department of Homeland Security, and then uh, I had a number of folks contact me and said, "Hey, we need you back." Uh, and I said, "Well, you know, I'm I'm good. I don't need to." And then they they twisted my arm and. I was there on day one of the Trump administration getting sworn in shortly after the president got sworn in and doing a number of different positions, probably about eight different positions at the department and then culminating uh, as the acting secretary in the last 14 months. We should say that the department, because people are young, they don't know this, the Department of Homeland Security was a, was organized under President Trump, uh, Bush. Right. So it was a brand new department. 2003. Yeah. Has it, uh, is it bigger? Is it bigger now? than it was then? Uh, It has. It's it's grown a little bit since, you know, uh, it being founded. It's the third largest uh, federal agency uh, that we have in the federal government behind the DOD and Veterans Administration, if you can believe it. Uh, DHS has about 250,000 employees, and it's about a $47, $48 billion budget. Yeah. Well, all right. A lot has changed. My, how times have changed. In fact, the Alexander Mayorkas, who is the current uh, chief of the uh, uh, Homeland Security, had an interesting thing to say. I thought you might enjoy hearing this. This is clip one. Our commitment to respect the dignity of every individual. We have changed the language that we use to refer to migrants who arrive in the United States um, and seek relief and who do not have yet lawful presence. We do not use the term illegal alien unless we are referring to that defined term in the statute itself, whether we are quoting from the statute or referring directly to it. We use the term Wow, what happened to the last term? <laughs> they dropped off that clip talk, dropped off the term and I'm not sure what the term is, but I think it's uh, undocumented non-citizen. Okay, thank what, you. Thank you for completing now, uh, <laughs> that. Yeah. So um, the point is, of course, that wokeness has infected all of the agencies. Well, I think the point it. is uh, the term illegal alien is actually in law. It's in statute. Uh-huh. And uh, they should be referring to, you know, if, if they want to change the verbiage, then go to Congress, lobby Congress, and have Congress change the law and have them call them something else. But 
the term illegal alien has a specific meaning. When you're looking at different classes of individuals, whether you are a business, uh, you're on a business visa, you're an illegal alien, you're on parole, you have different benefits associated with you. And so the term is very specific for a specific reason, and they can't get out of their own way of looking at terminology versus trying to solve a historic crisis right in front of them. They're more concerned about labels. They're more concerned about making sure that individuals who are breaking our law feel good about what we're calling them instead of actually fixing the crisis and holding people accountable. Yeah, well, it was kind of like the Department of Defense worried about, you know, critical race theory and then letting Afghan and Americans trap there. It's just the whole world upside down. You have been uh, doing a lot of writing. Um, I don't know. What a wild ride to serve in the Trump administration. And then the aftermath, it's just amazing to watch it as a spectator. So um, you've been having some visitors at your home. You did a, a, a editorial about that recently uh, where you were doing some comparison. Tell us about what's yeah, been happening. Yeah, you know, I, I, during 2020, uh, specifically during the civil unrest and, and the Department of Homeland Security, look, we have 7,000 facilities that we're in charge of protecting around the country, and a lot of them were targeted. Uh, during that civil unrest. So we were in the midst of, of a lot of that. And during that, uh, my home was uh, professionally protested uh, out in front of. And so the piece that I wrote was just talking about my experiences with that and how it's, it's now become the playbook for the left to do that for conservative officials uh, that are in power. Uh, but, you know, as soon as the, the first day that I wrote that, uh, very funny, Secretary Mayorkas's house was protested that very same day that that piece came out. Uh, and I tweeted and I said, look, I disagree with basically everything the secretary is doing. I don't uh, agree with his approach at all, but I, I do agree that they should not be protesting out in front of his residence. There are lines and people go home to their family. They're doing their job. You know, we can argue all day about how they're doing it wrongly, that uh, they're, they're taking the wrong policy decisions. But to have the left go out and do that in front of someone's residence is crossing the line. And, of course, that's a old Saul Alinsky thing. It's make it personal and yeah. target people. And that's what we're seeing more and more. We saw it. We've been seeing it for a long time, whether it's Tucker Carlson or, you know, members of the Trump staff. I mean, you guys were harassed. Right. Yeah. So uh, is it a relief to have that passed? Are you, are you glad not to be in that spotlight? I don't know that it's a relief. I miss the mission of the department. I miss working with some very dedicated uh, law enforcement officers and other folks at the department. Uh, yeah, sure. I don't miss, you know, all the craziness that, that went uh, along with, you know, different groups having, you know, Trump derangement syndrome to the highest degree I think I've ever seen in, in life. They just couldn't get past themselves that, um, you know, someone loves their country as much as President Trump did. Uh, would do anything for Americans and just wanted the best for him at the end of the day. And somehow they just they couldn't get past his you know mean tweets or what he would say. Uh, but the the country was safer, more prosperous than we were than we you know ever been in recent memory. I say that almost every day on the air. When something terrible happens, I always say, well, at least we don't have any mean tweets. You know, right, be, right. be glad there are no mean tweets. Yeah. So, uh, Chad, what where what are you doing now, and where can people find you? Uh, so I'm doing work at the America First Policy Institute, um, and so that's a think tank that, uh, that Very familiar with we that. are continuing uh, the America First policies of the last four okay. years, making sure that folks know that there's another way, particularly in the immigration space and the border security space, to secure the homeland. Yes. Okay, good. And we will find you there in okay. the future. So but thanks for just jumping in yeah, on to this morning. Chad Wolf, again, uh, a former acting secretary of Department of Homeland Security right. for President Trump. Thank you, Chad. Right, Thank you so Andy. much for your service. And sitting next to you is another guy that people know, Tom Holman. 
Tom was the former acting director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Uh, he's now a, he's now a Fox News contributor and uh, a senior fellow at the Immigration Reform Law Institute. And so, um, I want to play a couple of clips for you. I thought you might enjoy. Well, this is not funny, but I do. This is not funny. I, I really want your response to this because I haven't had much chance to talk to it, talk about it. This is clip 22. It just happened a few days ago. Let's listen. It's just a full-blown assault on the Border Patrol agents. I mean, these people are being overworked. They're being victimized. If you saw the administration uh, latched on this idea of this fake whip story. So this idea that they have to get vaccinated. Think about this. They have to get vaccinated, yet tens of thousands of people are coming across with no proof of any kind of medical vaccination. Forget COVID for anything. Evidently, according to the people I talked to in Del Rio, there was uh, a case of leprosy that came across. There were people that were stationed for months in a park in Acuna where human feces was all over that park. Mm -hmm. So think about the viruses and disease. But of course, our border patrol agents, our heroes, our front line in this invasion have to be ha have their uh, uh, freedoms taken away. It's it's just it's crazy. It's, re it's re repensable. All right, that's Bernie, Mar Ber Bernie Murillo. He's a Senate candidate in Ohio. But he's pointing out that uh, now they're saying they want to, ha they make, to make the border agents as though they haven't had enough problems uh, get vaccinated before uh, November 1st. Tom, what do you think about that? I think, I actually think it's unconstitutional. I mean, I, I actually talked to a border agent contacting me on Tuesday, Monday, and they're starting a group. Uh, on a Facebook page where they're looking at about over a thousand border patrol agents will resign before they get vaccinated. But, but but hang on a second. Don't you think the, the administration actually wouldn't mind that? Absolutely. I mean, open, absolutely. They don't they care don't, if they yeah, resign? Absolutely. So I told him, I said, you know, there's a, there's a couple of groups filing lawsuits. Now I'm hoping to get a stay, a federal stay on that order. I think it's unconstitutional, but it's, 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 it's a hypocrisy when these men and women are standing down the front line they got to be vaccinated, lose their job. Meanwhile, they're arresting thousands a day that the White House says does not have to be vaccinated. It's just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. Well, of course, half the things this administration does, does make sense. But uh, I'm hoping, I'm praying that there's, there's a federal stay on that order because I truly believe it's unconstitutional for someone to make this uh, health decision for somebody. And it's just not Borbachev. I still lose hundreds. Uh, and, and even the private sector, nurses, I, I know oh, two I nurses know. that will resign. Mm -hmm. There's a, I, I talked to one um, ICE agent that called me, and she just, just got married. They're trying to have a baby, and she refuses to take the vaccine, not knowing enough what's it going to do with my fetus. How does the President of the United States make the decision for these people? I, I have no idea, but it's, it's going to be tragic if he actually fires people not getting the vaccine. I think they'll get their jobs back through a lawsuit, but it's, our border patrol, our border, our borders will be less safe. I, and, and, but what a way to treat the men and women who put their lives online for this country every day to, to threaten them yep. with what I think an unconstitutional order, lose your job, lose your, you know, how they make their mortgages, how they pay the yeah. kids' tuitions. It's just ridiculous. Well, it's a, it's a pattern of mistreatment and disregard for people who are serving, like the military, the guys in Afghanistan, the 13 soldiers that were killed because of negligence, and maybe even worse than that. No, it comes uh, to law enforcement. This administration is anti-law enforcement. Yes. I mean, you're innocent until proven guilty unless you're wearing a uniform. Yeah. 
Yes, and I think about that with the military, too. I know they're in a different category, but, you know, it's horrendous that they are making them get vaccinated as well. And I, I hear from uh, people who are serving right now, Tom, who are listeners, and they're really upset because you talked about, I just heard this morning that the uh, CDC is now emphasizing that women, I'll just say about women for a second, women of childbearing age, women who are pregnant should get vaccinated. And I know personally, because I read about this all the time, that they have not done st- complete studies on the effect of women who are pregnant and on the effect of their babies. They've just barely touched the surface and now they're trying to, and this is this would include a lot of people that are in the medical field, uh, people who are in the military. It's really horrendous what I, they're doing. I just think, you know, think for a moment, the, the secretary admitted the other day, of course he lied about the number, but he admitted to at least 12,000 patients being released. No one had a COVID test. Haiti has about a 1% vaccination rate. It doesn't make sense that, that people who violate our laws got more freedoms than the men and women who enforce the law. It, don't, it doesn't make sense until you understand uh, the totalitarian attempt to take over control of the con- country and destroy and remake this country, which is what, remember what Barack Obama said about radically transforming the country? That's what's happening. You know that. And yeah, we're, it's, it's, it, it's, I, look, I served my country for 35 years. I've never seen anything like this. I wake up every day thinking it's a nightmare. Uh, I think the American people need to take the country back because yeah. we're losing it. We're, the country I love, we're losing it. I think that's true. I think of uh, when it comes to Border Patrol, though, and military people, I think, I don't know if this makes sense, but I guess I was saying to a couple of the guys last night that I was talking to who serve on the border, that you're, you're serving the American people. This administration really has become our enemy, but you are serving the American people. That's the only way they can look at it and have any kind of sanity, don't you think? Absolutely. I know I was, that's how I started my career. I was a cop in New York and I became a Border Patrol agent. I wore the green uniform. I love this. I love those men and women. I've been down the border five times, five times more than the president, and I'm retired. I've been down the border five times. The president has been down there all. Kamala Harris didn't go to the right part of the border. She went there once to a place that wasn't the scene of, scene of the crisis. But I talked to hundreds of border patrol agents, and, and I never heard this before. I haven't talked to one border patrol agent that respects the commander in chief, one border patrol agent that respects the secretary of homeland security, and that's unprecedented. Yeah. They usually have respect for the president of the United States. Yeah. But when he calls them out saying, you know, attacks a horse patrol for doing nothing, remember his first speech, he said that the last administration watched children die of starvation on the banks of Rio Grande and nothing for, nothing for them. Meanwhile, border patrol agents saved over 8,000 lives. What, what, what a stab in the back from the commander chief. Tom Holman, a former acting director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, will be right back after this. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. about what's going on at the border. Is somebody asking the foreign nationals who are walking into Del Rio, Texas and setting up camps on this side of the border for proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test? Well, first of all, I can re, re, I can readdress for you or re talk you through what that steps the, we that take. That's the policy for people who fly into the country. So if somebody walks into the country right across the river, does somebody ask them to see their vaccination card? Well, let me explain to you again, Peter, how our process works. 
as individuals as individuals come across the border uh, and uh, they are uh, both assessed for whether they have uh, any symptoms if they have symptoms they are the intention is for them to be quarantined that is our process they're not intending to stay here for a lengthy period of time I don't think it's but the same here. thing the it's not the same thing these are individuals as we've noted and as we've been discussed we are expelling individuals based on title 42 specifically because of COVID, because we want to prevent a scenario where large numbers of people are gathering, posing a threat to the community and also to the migrants themselves. So those are the policies that we put in place um, in large part because, again, the CDC continues to recommend Title 42 be in place given we're facing a global pandemic. Where's the vice president on any of this? Isn't she supposed to be addressing the root causes of migration? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Jen Psaki uh, with Peter Ducey on Fox. Tom Holman is my guest, again, former acting director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement uh, under the uh, Trump administration. Okay, so uh, Title 42, I mean, are you just your thoughts about what you just heard? She's lying. She's either lying or she's just an idiot because Title 42, this, administ this administration is violating Title 42 from day one because 85% of families get released in the United States despite Title 42. 100% of unaccompanied alien children get admitted to the United States despite Title 42. And when I say children, I'm talking 70% of them are 15, 16, 17. We're not talking about toddlers. You look at the numbers, the numbers speak for themselves. The majority of people are released in the United States despite 42. That is why they lost their case in, in, in district court here in D.C., Judge Sullivan, who I'm not a fan of, he said, you, got, you want Title 42 to stay, but you're violating it every day, so why would I keep a, a rule? So when her, she says people are being expelled on Title 42, single adults, that's it. So you can't have it both ways. You can't knowingly release people in the country with COVID and claim Title 42. And also, the Secretary of Homeland Security admitted this Sunday to Chris Wallace, and he, and he lied about that number still. He said 12,000 is more like 15,000. 12,000 Haitians released in the United States, not one COVID test from a country has a 1% vaccination rate. So what Jen Psaki says wrong, and the third thing I'll say she was wrong, and either she doesn't know or again, she's an idiot. These people are, aren't intending to stay. <laughs> I mean, the reason they're coming to the United States is to stay here, not, yeah. to, not to turn around vacation. and go home. And, and, and the fact that the secretary himself admitted at least 12,000 released, shoots that statement down as, as, as patently false as a stone cold lie. Her lips are moving, she's lying. The secretary, he lies constantly on TV. I've never seen an administration, I always see people kind of stretch the truth and kind of throw up smoke and mirrors, where they patently lie every day. I've never seen anything like it. And they're not ashamed of it. Then two days later, they'll be proven false. And they'll keep the light going. Oh, yeah, I know. I, 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 that, yeah, the Sunday interview with Chris Wallace and Alejandro Mayorkas, I thought was incredible because it was that what you're talking about exactly. Like uh, Chris was saying, you know, well, there's a, well, I'm just going to make this up because I don't remember the exact. 144,000 people came across the border. Uh, no, 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 really, uh, like 10,000 came across. You know, like the exact opposite, but smiling and holding his head up high. Very, His whole body affect is so strange to me, Tom. It's like he's... Just, they're just unserious about truth. Well, first of all, he's arrogant. Yeah. Uh, and he shouldn't be because he's, he's ruining his country. He's, a, he's an embarrassment to the position he holds. Yep. He's a secretary of Homeland Security. And our homeland is less secure now than it's ever had been. He has failed from day one. And they say, let me get something clear. The administration said they had two, uh, 212,000 
And that's the, that's, it had 208,000 uh, encounters last month, which is down from 212, so we're making a little bit of progress. No. They got 4,000 less encounters. Why? Because less Border Patrol agents are on the border because they're dealing with Del Rio and, and RGV. Less Border Patrol agents on the border equals less encounters. So just because they're down in 4,000 encounters, that just means more gotaways. If there's less Border Patrol agents to make arrests, that's just more gotaways. This number hasn't decreased at all. So Secretary Mayorkas, who's the Secretary of Homeland Security, he's failed for nine months straight because the numbers keep rising. He's a failure. He's a coward for throwing the horse patrol under under bus when he he knows they didn't do anything wrong. If he's a secretary worth his weight, he would have the chief of the board patrol come in and explain what the rules are, are about the horse. They didn't violate any, any privacy. As a matter of fact, I talked to five retired national chiefs. I talked to nine sector chiefs just to make sure I was right. And I talked to two retired CBP commissioners. They all agreed they did nothing wrong. And they're reading from the same playbook that the commissioner in position now who wrote an email about how terrible the uh, the video was, and the chief patrol agent now, who, who Raul Ortiz, who's wore that uniform for 30 years, he has that playbook. He knows they did nothing wrong, but he says nothing. He doesn't come out the fence as men and women. I know they're scared because this administration has r removed people for not falling in line with, with their ridiculous policies, but at a certain point, you got to stand up. If you're a man of integrity, you got to stand up and defend the men and women who are doing the job you told them to do and did nothing wrong, and they're being skewed by the media. They're being investigated by the Office of Civil Rights. This is the most disgusting thing I've seen from any administration ever to do. They're losing, they're losing the war on, on the on narrative. So to switch the narrative from Del Rio and the, and the scenes we saw, let's switch the narrative and do the, the whole Democratic playbook. Let's throw the race card out and try to change the, what we're talking about. And Tom, they did it because the next three days it's all about horse patrol. Well, you just expressed in that what's going to take. It's going to take people, men and women, to stand up and pay a price. And we have those kind of people. I mean, we've got them in the military because the same thing with them. We got them on the border patrol. We have the doctors and nurses and hospitals standing up. I get the issue is, you know, will that will to be free and to stand up, and the price that people have to pay? Who's going to win here? And that's what we're. That's where we are. We're at a real showdown. Tom, you've, you know. Even when we lose the argument, we win by yeah. being honest to the American people and doing the right thing. Yes. Either you have integrity or you don't. People hate me. Half the country hates me. I don't care because they're wrong. They don't know what I know. They don't have seen what I've seen. But I'll tell you this. I've made my mistakes, but I have never threw an agent under the bus that was doing what I told him to do. I had their backs, and I would, I'd go to jail for my guys. So, you know, either you have integrity or you don't. Yeah, I agree with you. Tom Holman, thanks so much. A former acting director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Hey, by the way, just a personal question before I let you say, before I really say goodbye. Do you watch Blue Bloods? Yes. <laughs> me too. I, it's become our go-to at our house. It's like, I'm a, it I'm encourages a, I'm a, I'm a, me. I'm a Native New Yorker. Yeah. And despite it's a, it's a show, now you got a police commissioner again that has his guys back. Yes. What what a strange I know. What a strange phenomenon in today's world. Yes, it's true. It's like a, it's a, like a breath of fresh air, isn't it? So it. just checking to see if you watch it. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, Appreciate, Thank you very much. so much. God bless you. Uh, Tom Holman was just with us, and uh, Tom, another Tom has joined us, Tom Tancredo. Congressman Tancredo served five terms in the House, and I interviewed him a ton of times, and I will forgive him that he doesn't remember me. <laughs> I remember I him. It was like yesterday. Yeah, yeah, just like yesterday. I can't remember and, yesterday. And I had blue on, right? <laughs> no, you just, had blue. No, I remember so well uh, because uh, immigration was uh, an important issue to me, and it was 
very important to you. You were very articulate, and you paid a tremendous price for that. You know, you were called racist and all the other things. One of the things I appreciated about you, uh, Tom, is that you you were concerned about the deep issues of immigration, about the changes in our country in terms of culture and values and all of that, and that's what you articulated. Let me, before I ask you to respond to that, you're from Colorado, and I'm just curious because you were really fighting the battle in Colorado as there was an influx of illegal immigrants and uh, it was changing the state. <clears throat> How has your state changed oh. in the years you've been watching it? Well, we've gone from, in, in 2002, if you can imagine, 2002, Colorado had two U.S. senators a, a that were Republican, a governor that was Republican, both houses of the, of the state, both state and, uh, and the Senate uh, were in Republican hands. Um, all five of the statewide offices, they're called, they're called uh, uh, statewide office because it's, you know, Secretary of State and all that, all of them were um, Republican. 2002. In two election cycles, from two to six, it switched just exactly the mirror opposite in every respect. And today, there's nothing. We have we control nothing in the state of Colorado. Not one elect statewide elected office. So uh, things have changed a lot, and um, there are a couple of reasons. One, um, a cabal, a group of very, very wealthy and very, very smart people, got together in 2002 and decided, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get gay marriage? They were all. They were all homosexual, and they, um, but they were enormously wealthy and, and, and dedicated because, I mean, after all, if you've got just, not just political uh, ideology that motivates you, but your own sexuality, that's a pretty powerful thing, right? It's another, billion, another, another Tom, right? Another billionaire named Tom? Well, uh, it was, there was um, Jared Polis, who's now governor of the state of Colorado, um, and um, the guy that was head of Quark, uh, you know, I mean, he's a multi-zillionaire guy by the name of, of uh, Rut Bridges. And uh, a lady, whose name now is escaping me. Tom but Steyer, wasn't Tom Steyer? Steyer. Steyer. Yeah, that, yeah, he's, well, he's more recent. Okay. There, there, a lady part of this group was, uh, her, her, she's a billionaire, um, and uh, the money came primarily from her father, who has all these... Uh, hospital beds and equipment and all that sort of, I'll think of her name in a minute. At any rate, they, they came together and, and actually did a, uh, something that was brilliant. Uh, really, they, they created something like 24 or 5 different organizations, C3s, C4s, all under the radar. Nobody saw it happening. They put in hundreds of millions of dollars. It was a brilliant scheme. In fact, as books have been written about it, uh, one called The, the uh, Blueprint. Um, and it is, and, and it did, in fact, work. It changed Colorado. Then, on top of that, it was we had the first state in the nation to legalize marijuana. Well, you know, that brought in a lot of people from a lot of places. They are, of course, not supportive of our position on things. So that's what happened in Colorado. It's a disaster, actually. Any, any immigration component in that, or no? This happened... Uh, well, I mean, it is, yes, of course there's an immigration component in it, because... First of all, there's no state that's not a border state anymore, <laughs> frankly. Uh, the, 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 the transportation network into this country, up from the southern border, goes everywhere. We should see the lines to every major city, to every state in the nation. 
So there's no such thing as a border state anymore, and Colorado suffers from the same kind of, of dilemma. So, yeah, it's, it's been the pits, I must admit. And, and of course, the minute the Democrats got in, they changed the voting. You know, you, no, no longer any identification needed to vote. Um, uh, mail-in ballot, uh, complete mail-in ballots. So th- what they did accommodated the illegal population tr- tremendously. You know, they now vote the same way you and I would, only they're not supposed to, but they do. So it's a, it's a, a problem, certainly. Uh, and then, but I have to tell you that something that is just so interesting in a way to me, and I, so, so let me talk about it. <laughs> yes, please. I want to hear. Uh, you're a great thinker. That's why I always enjoyed talking to you. Well, so. you're very kind, I, and I, I don't think as well as I used to, I'm afraid, and it, it's just a factor of old age, but we saw um, for 20 years, well, actually 40 years, really, constant movement to the left in this country politically speaking. And it didn't matter who was in Congress. It didn't matter who was president of the United States. The movement continued. Now, it slowed down a little bit, you know, when Republican was, but did never stop. We still increased government. We still spent more money and we never, ever closed the borders till one guy, right? One guy decides he's not a part of this whole shebang up here. He's not a, you know, he's not a politician. He doesn't need this stuff doesn't need this chamber of commerce which is the honest to god they are the the devil incarnate when it comes to this issue it's true oh gosh because they want cheap labor that's exactly right and they they pay republic i mean you know they fund republican uh, events and republican candidates only if you will be for open borders well he comes in he doesn't need any of that right and he begins the process of not just halting that movement to the left not just on immigration all kinds of things but he began to reverse it I mean he stopped illegal immigration almost in its tracks he's building a wall Um, black uh, wages are going up unemployment going down Hispanic wages going up unemployment going down all the good stuff that was happening and I will tell you that is why he was vilified it was not just the tweets, I know, you know, soccer moms going, oh, my God, he said this. I never actually read a tweet of Donald Trump's, to tell you the truth. I couldn't care less what he was tweeting. All I was looking at was what he was doing, and I liked it. They hated it. They, this is why we find, I mean, when you look back, you go, how come they hated him so much? How come they did all this? I mean, impeach, 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 all of the stuff that, that we look to and go, how come he was just, you know, just a guy, he's the president of the United States, and yeah, he was uh, rough and, and uh, uncouth in certain ways, but who cares? And, and it's because of what he was doing to that movement, not just here, around the world. This is a worldwide phenomenon, Sandy. Yeah. And, and he was, uh, you know, he was the only one in, the world. in the world that was articulating. Yeah. And standing wh- up to it. And standing and up to it. Mm-hmm. And hence... The world. He had to be destroyed. He had to be destroyed. And I know that sounds almost conspiratorial, but I'm telling you, it's the truth. There, there's no other reason that, that, that the vitriol could possibly have reached the extent that it did just based on his tweets. It wasn't yeah. his tweets. Right. It was what he was doing to that movement, which has been, and it, like I said, hell, when, what, listen, when you got Barack Obama articulating it, right? Saying, we're going to thoroughly 
transform yeah. radically, America. radically transform the United States of America. Yeah. So play that all the time. Somebody came in who was actually a problem there, and hence he had to go. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And I don't think you know. I think about just the history of our country. I think of how they, uh, the left, hated Richard Nixon because he had gone after the communists. Think Whitaker Chambers. And he'd been like a key yeah. component in taking him down. Yeah, that's right. And so they never forgot that. And that's if you wonder why there was such hatred and why they went after him with a vengeance, that was a component of that, Richard Nixon. That's exactly right. And when you've got when you've got both sides, when you've got liberals and Republicans combine their effort and their money and George Soros all, all the rest of the folks that fund you know, these this worldwide movement. When you've got that combined against you, it's a, it's a, very, and the media, because of course they control most of the media. Look at who, when you, when you see how much China has actually bought their way into the the democracies, they own a lot of people here. They own in this town, in this town, and in our Congress. That's where we are. And in our Congress. <laughs> That's exactly yes. right. And. And they fund so many programs in these universities. They buy professors. It's astounding how much they have infiltrated American and, and Western civilization, actually. Yes. And again, people go, I don't understand. How come this is all? Well, it is, it is a worldwide phenomena. It is something that hardly anybody ever attacks. And the only people that can are people that come from outside that, this, this swamp. Tom, let me ask you. Uh, let's take you back to serving in Congress because our Republicans turned against you oh, man. big time. And Our, you're not the first one that's happened to, but describe that before we sure. before we say goodbye to you here. Okay, sure, yeah. No, I came in here in 1998 thinking, and, and illegal immigration was my raison d'etre. It was my political raison d'etre, right? <laughs> and, um, and I thought, well, there'll be somebody here to help on this, I'm a freshman. I got no, I have no power. I have nothing. So who do I go to? Where do I, you know? And I went to Fair. I went to uh, Numbers USA. And I said, What do we do? I mean, I, I'm, I'm all ready. I'm, I'm ready to go, man. So send me in, Coach. I'm all set. There was no team. There was nothing there. In fact, it's kind of funny because the the Speaker of the House would, would that a good guy bad guy relationship you know Tom DeLay was the bad guy D Denny Hastert was the good guy speaker of the house nice guy you know old uh, wrestling coach and uh, this big teddy bear type of guy and Tom DeLay the hammer right and they would both get me and because of my uh, constant you know pressure on them criticisms of them criticisms of George Bush and and uh, uh, the, the one and I remember the speaker saying to me uh, Tom, Tommy, Tommy, um, you got to join the team, man. You got to get on the team here. And I and I said to him, Mr. Speaker, and it was it made me feel you know they'd be nice about it, so you'd almost kind of go, oh gosh, Mr. Speaker, how do you okay? You want me to be on you know, the team? team? Yeah, that's yeah. what they do. I know. Right. And yeah, I said, Mr. Flat. Speaker, I've been looking for the team since I got here. I can't find the team. There is no team for me. There is no one that wants what I want. There's no one that wants to stop illegal immigration. There's no one that really wants to, to, to scale down the size of government. I, I don't know where the team is. And it was that situation that I faced. Um, and, and, you know, if, I don't know what we've got, if I've got time to tell you that one no, little anecdote. No, about please. 
uh, I've only been here maybe a, I don't know a few months, and I found out that that in we you have a caucus every week. The Republicans meet nine o'clock in one room, Democrats in another to plot and scheme what you're going to do that week to you know each other. And at the end of the caucus, if there's any time left, they'll you, you can ask, you can request to to speak to the caucus about your issue. So I would ask to speak to the caucus every year. They, I mean, every time they'd say, "No, can't do it. Don't have time." Finally, caucus chair was gone one day. Lady was, I can't remember her name, who, was, who took over, and she, she says, um, yeah, you can do it. I wheel in a, the, the big you know, TV with the VCR, because I have a tape, four minutes long, night vision tape, people going through uh, Oregon Pike Cactus National Park, guns in their hands, uh, lo- loads of uh, drugs behind them, wandering through the campground. That's all it was, four minutes going past all the campers. And there were 200 Republicans in the room when I started it. Four minutes later, there were four. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. I have in front of me uh, at this radio row, which again is beautiful. And the sun is finally letting up on me. It was right in my eyes and now I can actually, it's nice. I can actually see my guest. So. Uh, Jonathan Thompson is the uh, executive director and CEO of the National Sheriffs Association, and that's uh, 3,086 sheriffs. Are they, Jonathan, is that all the sheriffs in the country? Yeah, that's pretty much everybody. They uh, they run the gamut from uh, from Maine to to California. Only a host of sheriffs in not in the states, Alaska, where there are no counties, as you know, uh, Connecticut, and uh, a couple of other smaller states, Delaware. But they have one appointed sheriff. It's interesting with sheriffs, and we have to make this point. This is your daily bread, but people don't maybe sometimes think about this. Sheriffs are different from the police. They are elected, accountable to the people. And so that probably explains why I think it's true to say, by and large, they are conservative. Is that true? You know, I I would say that they're, they're more concerned about public safety because they wear it on their sleeve because they are elected. That's what they were elected to do, whether it's to just manage and oversee a a jail uh, or court security or public service of warrants or patrol intelligence they have to wear it on their sleeve because the, the people put them there and uh, you know the, the one irony is, is that not all the people may have put them there but they have to take care of every person and that's 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 the irony here and, yeah uh, you know it's 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 tough and it's personal they know their it name they run yep. they know their families they're part of the community yep. and so it is very different than uh, policemen uh, I was just thinking, um, this is interesting to me, and I'd like to know your response to it. Uh, dis, uh, um, Ron DeSantis made a pretty interesting decision just uh, a few days ago. And actually, this is clip 23. Adam, let's play it, and then I'd like to get Jonathan's response to it. Let's listen. And I'm pleased to be here today, Attorney General Moody, to announce three significant actions we are taking to address the Biden border crisis. First, the state of Florida is suing the Biden administration over its unlawful and destructive catch and release policy. Uh, Thanks to Attorney General for leading that effort, and she'll have more to say about that when she uh, makes her remarks. Second, I'm signing an executive order to prohibit state agencies that report, or excuse me, to prohibit state agencies that report to me 
from aiding or abetting in any way what the federal government uh, is doing right now. Uh, we're not going to be a party uh, to this lawlessness. We haven't, to, to, to my knowledge, uh, but we're letting the marker down know that this is an absolute red line. We're not going to do it. Uh, and the order pro prohibits our agencies from providing assistance uh, to the feds or any other entity uh, for the transportation uh, of folks uh, who are here illegally into Florida from the southwest border. It also directs the Florida Department of Children and Families determine whether Florida should continue to grant licenses for facilities that house unaccompanied uh, alien uh, minors brought into the state from the southwest border. Granting licenses to house uh, illegal alien children who do not reside in Florida takes resources away for child welfare uh, from children who do reside here. This is a problem we have to address and we have to put Florida children first. We also encourage both FDLE and Florida Highway Patrol uh, to detain uh, vehicles such as buses or aircraft if they're transporting illegal aliens from the southwest border. If there's reasonable suspicion that the vehicle is being used for human trafficking or drug trafficking, and unfortunately, that is an all too common occurrence when you talk about what's going on here. Well, that's just part of it, but wow. that's an announcement. <laughs> wow. Okay, so um, to be clear, he's not talking about sheriffs, is he? He's talking about state agencies and state patrol. Right. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. But what he's done is he's 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 looked at an all of the above approach to uh, responding to this crisis. You know, I I I remind people, Florida's a border state. You know, and, and people look at me kind of funny when I say that. But, uh, you know, he what he has done is he said, look, uh, we, we cannot have an insecure border and we need the rule of law. on You know, I adopted two children from Bulgaria. It took me four years and we followed the letter of the law, not just the spirit, but the letter of the law. Um, God blessed us. We we're able to take care of those kids. They're ours. We're responsible for them. There are millions of people in this country who came here legally through that process. And what the governor is saying is we can't diminish, denigrate, or take anything away from those people who followed the rule of law. And he is saying those resources are coming from someplace, and we've got to stop doing this. Um, let's, let's, you know, this is a, for us... Uh, in law enforcement, it's not about um, immigration. It's about the, the process, the rule of law, as I keep saying, and adhering to it. And I think what the governor has done in Florida in, in many ways is, is spot on as he's saying, look, we have limited resources here in the state, but those resources now have to be redirected to making sure that the people who are here legally and are citizens of this state have what they deserve coming to them, whether it's school assistance, social service assistance, medical assistance, law enforcement assistance. Those are not infinite pools of funds. And he's saying we've got to do something. All right. So how does this affect sheriffs? I, I, every county, I'm assuming they're all independent. They, right. they operate independently and they, they vary. Yep. So how, how have they responded to this and how would this principle apply to them if they wanted in their county to refuse to allow uh, uh, an influx of, you know, 30,000 Haitians or, you know, or Afghanis who are being flown in who are not vetted? Could they do that? 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know the nuance on that. I'd, I'd have to. I'd have to defer that to uh, Florida Sheriff's Association. That, that those folks really know this stuff backwards and forwards. They're a phenomenal organization. Uh, but you're asking a really important question. That's local control. Right. 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 And um, you, you voted for your sheriff, right? We have a good one too, by the way. Yeah. And he or she in the community is listening to you they're listening to the people they're trying to find that what's the right balance what's the right place in the in the road to be they're not looking to be in the middle or in the ditch they're looking to be what is it that the community needs and what the governor is saying is this is these are now local state decisions and he's making them uh, whether i agree with them or disagree with them is really irrelevant what what's important is that the people of florida made these decisions based upon what the governor is allowed constitutionally legally to do and it goes right back to that local control where the sheriffs are making the decision based upon whether they a have have a constitutional right to do what they're doing b have the legal tools and mechanisms and resources to do what they're what they're going to be doing and three is it consistent with the community standards in which they were elected because let's face it um, any county any county can have different standards and that's fine. That's that's the beauty of this republic is that we are that that patch quilt work. You and I may disagree on what happens in LA County, but it works for LA County, I think. And you know, <laughs> or that, not in or LA. Not. Yeah, Interesting but, example. LA County, well, maybe not, but uh, I know what the, you mean. Yeah, and, I, and you know, and I, I look. Alex Villanueva is a friend of mine. He's a great sheriff for that county, but he's got his hands full, yeah. as does every sheriff in this country. Yeah, he's pretty gutsy. He's, Alex, he's really spoken out. Yep. Yeah. See, that's an example. I don't know if people understand, really, sheriffs, have bec- they have taken on such an important role. They really have. They're yeah. kind of like the voice of reason. Uh, and so, like, for instance, help us to understand, Jonathan, this influx at the border, this out-of-control border, and also, you know, it's the, the Afghanis being flown in, not being vetted, uh, just all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do how are these sheriffs affected by those decisions? Oh, they're overwhelmed. I'm gonna, you know, I, I talk to the border sheriffs uh, daily. In fact, I spoke with several yesterday. Um, and it, it it's overwhelming their manpower. It's it's running them below empty, uh, time wise. They're in overtime that they just don't have anymore. Uh, costs are through the roof. The communities are really up in arms about this for a lot of reasons humanitarian reasons predominantly is we're 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 the most civilized country in the world we're going to make people live under a bridge yeah really i mean that that to me is 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 just unconscionable yeah and 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 to say to the people of this country that it caught us flat-footed is disingenuous yeah that's the kindest way to put it it's very kindest way to put it it's intentional you know, we have a clip of Joe Biden talking about how we need more more immigration, more illegal immigration, and how good it is for us. He said it back in 2007. But, uh, Jonathan, listen, it's a pleasure having a few minutes with you. Jonathan oh, Thompson really is the executive director and CEO of the National Sheriff's Association. God bless our sheriffs, and you tell them I said so. Okay? Oh, Sandy, thank you for doing this, and, and uh, we appreciate it. Thanks.